Welcome to a live episode of The Leader's Mindset. We're still bringing you illuminating conversations with leaders who are making an impact in business and our communities. We're just doing it live today, so feel free to throw your questions and comments into the comments section. And we've got an amazing guest for you today, my good friend Mike Andrews. He's an Air Force veteran, he's a husband and a father, and he's a cybersecurity consultant. Being live with Mike today lets us talk about things that are really timely like getting our cybersecurity house in order as 2024 is rapidly approaching. And we wanna keep ourselves protected in 2024 and going forward. And we're gonna talk about a little bit about what he has planned for himself and for his company coming up in 2024 as well. His company's name is Yastis, and he's gonna tell us all about that and what he's got coming up in the coming year. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Hey, Jason. Uh, th thanks for having me today. I'm really, really excited to be here and just talk about cybersecurity and leadership. Yeah, fantastic. I know uh, as a fellow Air Force vet, we have a lot to dive in on both of those things. So, but let's let's focus on the cybersecurity stuff because I really do want to make sure that people understand the risk environment out there and I want to make sure they understand how to protect themselves properly. But first, how did you get into the cybersecurity world and how did that parallel your career in the Air Force? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, so, my progression in the Air Force, I, I moved from telecommunications to doing network infrastructure requirements. And then in that requirements role, I volunteered to take on a new cybersecurity program in that office. And then that led to me going to the base cybersecurity office uh, and eventually becoming the lead for cybersecurity as the information system security manager. So overseeing cybersecurity for a network with 28,000 users. Uh, and then after that role, went on to be a contractor for Lockheed Martin and then eventually uh, start my own company in 2019 and go full time into that in 2020. Yeah. And you've served uh, the government in a number of ways um, in the ways you just talked about. But you also worked in a program office at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, Ohio, doing cybersecurity for some really exciting things that I hope you'll share a little bit with us about whatever you're able to. But what made you put on the uniform in the first place? I always like to ask our veterans why they got into the military in the first place. Oh, uh, well, well, two things. Uh, growing up in New York City, it was kind of chaotic. So I, I felt like I wasn't getting a real representation of how things are throughout the country. So I thought some time out of New York would benefit me. And at the same time, I had some real strong feelings about uh, what happened at 9-11. You know, when you're seeing pamphlets from the World Trade Center flying and landing in front of your house and you pick them up and there's char marks on it. It's it's uh, It was just pretty hard for, for myself, uh, family and friends. And then I thought a good way to both see the rest of the country and to react in a positive way to 9-11 was to join the military for a few years. And then that eventually snowballed into a lot longer than three years. I just hit 20 years a couple weeks ago. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, I remember Thank you. I remember 9-11. I remember about two weeks after 9-11, uh, I was on a flight down to Langley Air Force Base in Virginia um, for one of the things I was working on. It was a military flight. And we flew over, you know, we kind of flew a little south of Manhattan and you could still see the plume coming out of ground zero at the time. And that uh, even a couple weeks later had such an impact on me. Um, 9 11 was so powerful for for everyone, even even those of us who were in at the time, and and also as a kid who grew up in the Northeast as well, I think time outside of the Northeast serves us all very well. It's a little bit different world up in the Northeast than it is in the rest of the country. 
So we'll get back to some of your military and civilian career for the government. But how did Yastis come about? What were you doing prior? And what what drove you in that direction to be an entrepreneur? Uh, I always wanted to do something entrepreneurial. It's just uh, I kept coming across good things in the throughout my career in the government. And then I said, you know what? It's time just to make it happen. No matter how, no matter how well things are going, you know, I might make, you know, less money uh, initially, but it's just time to do it because I saw a real gap in the small to medium-sized uh, business market for cybersecurity because companies are in in that range are preoccupied, rightfully so, with their uh, products, services, and growth. So I thought if I could come up with some ways to uh, do, help them do cybersecurity effectively, even when they don't have the biggest budget, that that was uh, a specialty since so much emphasis is placed on uh, doing cybersecurity at the bigger companies uh, or working with the higher, higher cost, uh, robust consultants that are just, I thought, to be focused on maximizing revenue and in many cases not doing what's best for the company that they're working with, the client. I think that's so so perceptive, so incredible, because I know as a small business owner and also from my time working in the government and also working with clients, there is this preoccupation with revenue, with profit, with procedures and operations and and the things that generate revenue and sometimes things like cybersecurity get pushed to the side. And that's exactly why I wanted to have you on today because while all of those other things are important, I think cybersecurity is something that needs to be in every founder and CEO and small business owners cross-check at their level so that they can protect themselves. If you are if you are in charge of an organization and you do not have cybersecurity in your cross-check and you delegate that out without keeping tabs on it, it's probably going to be really negative for you. So now you're still serving in the Air National Guard, right? That's correct, Jason. Still serving in a, uh, I'm a 17 Delta in the Air National Guard. That's a cyberspace operations officer. So my my current role, I'm in charge of training for uh, at the group level. So we have eight squadrons around the country. Those are uh, organizations that have around 110 people each, and we just make sure they have the proper training in order to serve on their federal and state missions. Uh, and prior to that, I was the lead for the plans and resources where we just made sure everyone had the money to do their mission and they were getting plugged into the right missions uh, so we could be uh, meaningfully contribute to the Air Force. And as part of that was the lead for exercise planning, just because as you know, in the military, you practice 10 times before you do anything. I ideally, uh, if you don't have the time to practice and have real scenarios, things don't go as well. It's been proven over time. That's perfect, because that leads in great to my next question. Thank you for your service, by the way, and thank you for your continued service after all these years. 20 years is a long time to be doing anything, I know, from my career. so, But thank you for your service. So my question is, what, what have you learned from wearing the uniform, and especially knowing that you're involved in the training aspect of all of these Air Force squadrons? What have you learned from wearing the uniform that helps you with your business and helps you with your clients in the cybersecurity realm and running your own business. First off, thank thank you also for your service. Uh, also, Jason, uh, it's been great to hear about your background. What I've learned is to 
deliver the training in a way that will be useful and actionable for the recipient. You might know the most technical term, uh, but that's not always the term that is most relatable. And when you're delivering training and you're using uh, highly technical terms and too many acronyms, as soon as people have that in their mind, are confused two or three times, they slowly drift and they just lose focus and they start thinking about other things. What am I going to have for lunch? You know, this training's boring or I don't get it and I'll just Google this, Google it later. So what I would say as far as training in any, any atmosphere is just make it easy to understand and then check progress as you're going. Don't assume things are going well. Just ask, do you understand that? Do you want to slow down and, and uh, expand on a given topic? Because if they're not receiving it in the way that you're intending to deliver it, it's, it's kind of useless. If you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's so critical for them to understand what their role is in the big picture of cybersecurity and protecting the organization, whether that's a for-profit company, a government entity, a nonprofit, uh, making sure they understand they have a real role to, to help protect the organization. And that oh, leads I me to my next question. So when I was wearing a uniform, one of the biggest challenges we had with cybersecurity, uh, both programs, but also the day-to-day -day getting people to do it was, uh, we found that the human was kind of the weak link in the cybersecurity system. Do you still find that to be true? And how do you, be, beyond the training, how do you get the human piece of the cybersecurity system to stick with what they've learned and follow through on those processes? That, that's a great point. And the, the biggest thing we're seeing right now, and it's been this way for quite a while, is the phishing, uh, which is primarily targeting humans. And that's 85 to about 90% of all hacks are in some way related to phishing. And as you mentioned, the training, um, we need training to be recurring. You know, a lot of times we see either one-time training or annual training, and it's the same stuff every year. It needs to be it should be at least quarterly and it doesn't have to be in a group. You can just send someone a link and say, you know, watch this or let's get together in a conference room and watch this. Uh, you also want to minimize the need for humans to do the right thing because it can be hard, especially when you're busy or you're tired to, to do the right thing. And I've seen very recently a lot of experts getting hacked. We've seen cybersecurity companies, cybersecurity uh, absolute experts getting hacked. Um, so if you can minimize uh, the things that the user has to do by doing things like having strong two-factor authentication and phishing filters in your email, that goes a long way towards minimizing the, uh, the chances of human error leading to something bad. Yeah, I'm a big believer in make the robots do the work. So anywhere we can automate something, uh, to protect ourselves, uh, as long as we're using proper judgment with that. I think that's, I think that's fantastic. And it's, you know, I remember being in the air force and doing the annual computer-based training, the CBTs we all talked about that never changed like over the course of 10 years about cybersecurity. And so you've made such a fantastic point about keeping that training fresh and applicable to individuals and kind of doing it often. Cause it, it, it is really easy whether you're at the top of the company or you're just working um, to get preoccupied with what you're doing and to get moving fast and to click on a link in an email because um, someone's either successfully fished, fished you 
um, sending you something you think is important. Or in a lot of cases in the Air Force, we would all complain about doing these CBTs, but then inevitably someone would get caught in a in a phishing test that was being run by by the cyber team or the comm squadron, um, and we'd all have to take our training again. Exactly. And one tip that I've seen others do, and I've I've been implementing myself is when you see something real happen, it doesn't have to be a full data breach. It could be it could be an attempt. So say you go to your audit logs, you see that there were 10 phishing attempts, take one of them, put it in an email, put it out to all your employees in simple terms and say, this is actually happening to us. Because what I find is it, it takes the mindset up a notch. Like when people realize that your actual company or organization is being targeted, it's, it's a, it does wonders and and these things do happen very rarely do i i go through audit logs with with uh, clients and not see anything in there you know that that's so great because i felt when i was in the military they were always trying to catch us they were always trying to trick us and i think your approach might be a more solid approach from a training perspective of look this is real this is what someone tried to do to us be on the lookout for these kinds of things is that is that something you find effective working with your clients that that works very effectively uh, because you talk talk briefly about the phishing tests and I've seen those be a little uh, kind of effective, uh, but it does leave a bad taste in the user's mouth. And many industry professionals, like if you go on Twitter now called X and to the cybersecurity area, or say you follow a lot of people, more I'd say over fifty percent say it's not a bad idea because you're you're making the user have a sour taste for cybersecurity. So instead of that, it's better to do some of the things we spoke about, like have the phishing filters, give those relevant examples of the phishing attempts at your organization or at a competitor's organization. Yeah, as someone who's very focused on leadership, I and, and my own personal experience with it, I get real concerned about um, how that impacts the trust between employer and employee when the employees feel like you're trying to trick them into making a mistake. Um, so, you know, as, as cybersecurity professionals, you guys have to figure out what the right way to go into any organization is and, and figure out how to really educate the team there. And, you know, phishing tests might be part of that and more knowledge-based things might be part of that or more example-based things might be part of that. Okay. So we're wrapping up 2023. We're getting ready for 2024. All the entrepreneurs, all the all the leaders in business, everyone running a nonprofit, everyone wants to hit the ground running. You talked about preoccupation with with the mission and getting things done. So, what are the things we've got a couple of weeks before we hit the first of the year? What are the things we should all be thinking about to get ourselves ready to stay focused on cybersecurity while we hit the ground running, doing the great things we do in our organization? That's a great question. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do. And I, like I mentioned earlier, it's good to focus on the easy wins and, and what's actionable. So applying two-factor authentication or just making a, going to a more robust solution, such as a hardware token or at least a, an app like Google Authenticator is a big one. That solves a lot of the phishing problems because even if someone clicks on a phishing link, and your password stolen, if the hacker doesn't have your authenticator device, then 
it's kind of useless. So that, that's a big one right there. I would also recommend verifying backups. Make sure the backup is enabled. Uh, test the restoral process to make sure that when you need to do it, it works. Because a lot of times you might go into your backup method and it's, it looks like it's working properly, but then when you switch over to it, it, it doesn't work right. So you wanna make sure you're testing that out. And also just go through and, and, and see what you're finding. Like if you have antivirus or an audit log, go in there, you know, having it running isn't enough. You have to just go in and, and check every so often because we can automate, automate a lot of things, but it still does take a human going in and just making sure things are running right. Because so often uh, I work with clients and they think things are working right. And then before you know it, we go in and look and see that it hasn't worked right for months. So like with any tool, we got to make sure it's working. We got to make sure we go in and look at that data. Uh, it's not enough just to run the tool. We've got to make sure that we're looking at what the tool is telling us so we can factor it into our decision-making process, right? Exactly. So you want to get the right tools, then configure them properly, and then just make go back every so often, make sure it's still configured properly, and look what findings you have. You know, it's... Uh, we, it doesn't have to be a very complicated process. It doesn't have to be very time consuming. So for the stuff that can't be automated, what I recommend is simply setting calendar reminders, whether it's the IT staff or if a company is really small, just the business owner, and just putting less than an hour a week, in many cases, much less, you can really have effective cybersecurity on a small budget or just doing it yourself. That's great. Well, I'm glad to hear there's one area where AI is not going to replace us yet. We still need a human in the loop on these cybersecurity functions. Real quick, because um, most of our audience is pretty technically oriented, but can you explain what two-factor authentication is for someone who may be a new entrepreneur who's yeah. just kind of getting into all this and, and striking out on their own and trying to figure out how to protect themselves? Yes. Yeah, so two-factor authentication is a combination of two out of three things. It's something you have, such as a uh, authenticator app on your phone or a hardware key, uh, something you know, such as a password or a PIN, and then lastly, something you are, which generally refers to biometrics, whether that's an eye scan, a palm scan, or something like that. So you, you don't want to pick two from the same category, or that's not two-factor authentication. And we actually see that a lot. Like we'll see, we'll see an organization say, oh, well, we have passwords, but then they also have a pin. And while that might add a layer, it's not actually true two-factor authentication. And there are some good solutions available, like Google Authenticator is good. Microsoft has an Authenticator product that's free. It's good. There's another popular one called Authy, A-U-T-H-Y, mm -hmm. which, is, which is good. And uh, using that is infinitely better than using a phone, phone number based, whether it's call or text authentication, because that method is highly susceptible to SIM swap. And that's where someone goes to a phone store and tr tricks an employee or pays an employee to give them your phone number. And then before you know it, all your systems are compromised. <laughs> well, now that we've sufficiently scared everyone who's watching how easy these things are to, are to do, besides two-factor authentication, what are some of your favorite tools, the ones that you use for your company or the ones that you recommend to your clients that would be great for our audience as they seek to protect themselves coming up here in 2024? So other than two-factor authentication, I think it's great 
to leverage Microsoft Defender for those of us on Windows, which Windows is surprisingly still the number one operating system by a long shot, uh, even though it gets a lot of complaints. Uh, and uh, another one is just Microsoft OneDrive, which is their backup solution. Uh, and if not one of those, there's some other alternatives uh, provided by Google that, that do similar things as part of the Google Workspace suite. So while those are commonly used, uh, they do offer a lot of different tools for often for free. Sometimes they're a couple bucks more a month, and uh, but it's it's well worth it. And for a few hundred dollars or less per month, you can really just have access to some solid tools and keep your system safe. Awesome. So so for uh, my fellow creators like me and my producer Sophia, who's sitting here holding her hand up because she wants to get my attention, um, we use Macs. So, are there tools, different tools for the Mac? Are there things we should be looking for 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 Mac and Apple users? For there are some some tools you can you can uh, access in the App Store. My, uh, Apple in general, it is considered safer because it's less customizable. Uh, it's hard to get access to the back end of Apple. So what I'd recommend is just to go through the security settings and just make sure that the backup is working well. Uh, you want to just also make sure that the two-factor authentication is on. There is actually an iOS embedded authenticator version, kind of like we talked about Google Authenticator and Authy. You can just keep it even simpler and just use the one that's already there on your phone and just turn it on. Uh, and then you want to just look at the permissions and just make sure that it's not more than you need, right? Like a lot of apps, they request access to everything you have, and it's not good. Like you'll see, you'll see silly stuff. Like you'll see restaurant reservation apps asking for access to all your photos. Like a lot of times, that's just an example. But a lot of times, it doesn't make sense to really just keep it minimum. Uh, consider using. Uh, Virtual private network, VPN, when you're on a vulnerable connection. If you're on your home encrypted network, you generally don't need to do that unless you need to appear that you're in a different location. But definitely public Wi-Fi, it's it's, it's good to good to do um, just as a precaution so you can make sure that no one's spying on what you're doing and capturing your keystrokes or anything like that. Fantastic. I just had that actually happen to me, I think, yesterday where an app said, do you want to give this app access to all your photos? And why, why would I give this app, ac this app access to any of my photos? So um, great point. So we talked about two, we talked about permissions, we talked about backups. Um, yeah. We talked about VPNs a little bit. Are there, are there any other big picture principles that you think leaders know about and think about when they're thinking about their cybersecurity? Yes. Yeah, so compliance, it, it's a big one. And every company that collects user data, even if it's only one user, has to then focus on compliance related to their industry. So in medical, the medical field, you have HIPAA, payment, payment sector, you have the payment card industry data security standards. So it's important to take those things into account uh, because if, for example, in the payment card sector, if you don't, the payment card companies can just shut you down. And that, in a lot of cases, that could destroy the business. Um, so it is understood that even when you do cybersecurity well, things still happen, right? Like we've seen even big cybersecurity providers like uh, 
was Cloudflare uh, and others, Microsoft get hacked themselves. So either might say, well, why should I trust them? They don't know what they're doing. And they, they actually do, you know, it can happen. So the, the important thing to focus on is due diligence goes a long way. You know, show that you've done the effort, show that you've implemented tools, show that you have someone addressing your cybersecurity every so often, you know, show show that your board meetings discuss cybersecurity because after all, cyber risk is business risk. It's not it's not something completely different. And so if you do the due diligence and then you report the incidents in a timely manner, whether it's to your state regulator, which is a requirement in just about every state, you know, your clients, your partners, your service providers, your investors, the impact will generally be minimal even if something bad does happen. So that's 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 what I would say is just focus on the compliance a little more and uh, it should help help you. Uh, be, you'll be good to go. Well, you've already answered my next question because my next question was going to be a lot. I hear a lot of entrepreneurs saying, I'm not big enough that any that anybody's interested in coming after me. I don't I don't really need to worry about cybersecurity, right? And I think you really hit the nail on the head with this by saying, Cyber risk is business risk, and it's just like your financial risk, just like your operational risk. Cybersecurity risk is something every business owner, every leader who's running a team needs to factor in for the risk to their revenue, the risk to their profit, but also the risk to their people as well. Uh, so thank you for getting into that. That was going to be my next question, but we're already past that. So awesome. Now, we both live here in Las Vegas. That's how we got to know each other through the tech community yeah. here. We've had a couple incidents in the last few months here in Las Vegas with some big resort properties. What are what are your perspectives on these events and what are the takeaways you got from what's happened here in Las Vegas the last few months? Very true. And at recent presentations, the question section is completely dominated by those. No one asking anything about it at my company, which is fine, you know, it's to be expected, but what happened was a, a hacking group called Scattered Spider, which is largely uh, young, younger folks around 18 to 23 years old. Uh, they did phishing, basically. What they did was they went to LinkedIn. They looked for administrator from MGM that looked like they would have a lot of access. And then they documented their information and they called the MGM help desk and pretended to be them and apparently mgm asked very simple questions this was verified by some insiders in an article i looked i saw recently and then they got access so then they go into the system and what you want to do from the hacking perspective at that point is just look around to get more access so you, and to better understand the system and uh so they did that and then uh mgm started to realize what was happening at that point and uh, they started shutting stuff down, and then it, the hackers knew at that moment that MGM was kind of catching on. So they reached out. They asked for a ransom. MGM said no, and then they encrypted their systems, and uh, employees and the guests started having a lot of uh, disruptions. You know, having to manually check in and couldn't access their reward system uh, a lot of the time. Uh, if and, I understand right, they couldn't even get into room. They couldn't even use room keys at one point. Oh yeah, yeah. So the fact that properties all over the country, and then the various systems within MGM were all targeted, it shows you that there was not proper segmentation in place, right? Because 
you want to segment your systems so a problem in zone A, for example, doesn't impact zone B or zone C. So the fact that we're seeing reservation systems and reward systems both be impacted by the same incident, it's, it, it makes it so it's not hard to see that it wasn't really granular enough. You know, the access was was too broad. So to, the takeaway from that is to make give less access, right? So say say you're a, com a company with 10 users. Do all 10 need to be administrators? No, maybe two can be administrators. You don't want it to be one in case that employee leaves or to use the common example as, you know, get hit by the bus. Mm -hmm. So minimize the access to only what's needed and then segment your systems. So that way, if there's a hacker in system A, they're not also in system B. Yeah, so that's that's another principle that we should all be thinking about, even as small business owners or entrepreneurs, is segmenting our system and maybe maybe thinking, do I want to go with the all-in-one solution that for things that are offered out there for my systems, or do I want to segment things out a little bit and have a little bit more control over individual things? We talked a lot about cyber tools, but you're running a business. What are some of your other favorite tools that you use to run your business besides the cyber tools? That's a good question. Uh, as you know, and uh, social media is becoming an increasingly big part of what a business does. And that's new to me because my background is highly technical and uh, consulting is heavily on, relying on sales. So you have to get your name out there. So some things I use to help with social media are just Canva for, for graphic design, uh, ChatGPT4, uh, for help also with graphics, but also for developing checklists. To caveat that, it's that's about an 80% solution. You can't skip out on you know the case-specific human knowledge because what it will give you is going to be way too broad. But it you, you it is it is useful though. Uh, so th those are the main ones I've been using, and then just Adobe products. And then I use some uh, assessment automation tools from the Center for Internet Security. And I've been demoing uh, some software, uh, some compliance software tools to help with risk assessments from a few different providers and recently signed a partnership with one. So I hope in the near future to uh, start using their software more and also working with them as they uh, onboard, uh, train, and uh, help provide ongoing support to clients with that software. Outstanding. Yeah. Um, for some reason in the Air Force, we were always really concerned about people getting hit by buses all the time. And and uh, that was that was the uh that was the example we always used about why we needed someone else to be involved with something. Um all right, yeah. shifting gears a bit, uh what are your goals for your company in 2024? Tell us a little about your company and what are you focused on to right now to meet those goals in 2024? That's a great question. So uh, the primary goal is to triple revenue uh, in 2024, which should should be manageable. Uh, it's currently in my company, it's me and three freelancers. So I hope by the end of the year to be up to at least five employees. And, uh, and within that, maybe three more consultants and a couple of salespeople, um, probably around the, uh, the midpoint of the year. Also want 
uh, for 2024 to release a uh, training pro th a three three training products, one for management, one for IT staff, and then one for users. And just to put that on various training platforms such as Udemy, just do that a little more and focus on some of the more scalable solutions, you know, because consulting, if it's one-on-one, -on -one, that's not very scalable, right? One person, no matter how effective, can only do so much. So, uh, and then lastly, it's to get 25 contracts by a referral, since in consulting, referral business is, is uh, so important, as you probably know, just as well, if not better than me. Well, I, I love to see clear, measurable, and achievable goals. So we have uh, we have nothing to talk about how you've set your goals. Those sound fantastic. What I'm what I'm really interested in is as you grow your team, what what kind of development are you going to need to do with them? Are you going to bring on folks who already know how to do online training programs? What what's what's gonna what's the path you're going to need to take to get to the end of the year with your team and, and developing them? Just to focus on repeatable processes, kind of kind of like in the military, you know, that's been a, that's been one of the most useful parts of the military is showing the fact that you can't hoard the knowledge. You might feel valuable in the moment, but you need to focus on the continuity and make it so if you're gone for whatever reason, things still run well. So I want to really simplify it, put a system in place, kind of like you would see in the New England Patriots, right? So like, how does Bill Belichick, he might, he may have had Tom Brady, but most people would agree that other than Tom Brady, he got a lot out of average talent in many cases. Not to say I'm going to be looking to have higher average employees, but I, I want to have great employees and great systems in place for those employees to use. Because if you have both, I don't really, I don't see how you can can really fail. Uh, but as far as the training program development, that's definitely going to be a priority uh, consideration when hiring is that someone understands cybersecurity, but has also worked on training programs. Uh, and then on the sales side, I, I want people that have proven experience in uh, service, tech service specific sales, because many others I've found from working with them and, and just being out in the community are more focused on helping some influencer, right? So mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, so I want to, I want to focus it, the sales aspect and social media in general on allowing the business to thrive. So I'm not becoming the face of the business over time, or say one of the employees becoming the face of it over time and just make it so the business can stand on its own as a trusted entity. I think the New England Patriots saying this as a Patriots fan and how they've performed the last couple of years are a really great example of <laughs> when you do lose a few key people in yeah. your talents and you <laughs> haven't made provisions for, uh, we always said leaving it better than you found it, right? You know, I, I liked how you put it in. You can't hoard knowledge. That's a, that's a great way to put it if you want to leave things better than you found it. But I think the Patriots, if you're a sports fan and you're following uh, the Patriots this year, it's a... That's a really great example of what happens when you when you do when you do have a few key people who are kind of holding everything together. So it's it's important to watch for. Absolutely. As 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 I stated earlier, we got to know each other through Tech Alley and the Las Vegas tech community, and you've been a big part of that and contributing to that. Um, what is the contribution you'd like to leave to the Vegas tech scene this year coming up in 2024? 
Yes, uh, the, the Vegas tech scene has been phenomenal between Tech Alley, Startup Vegas, Startup NV. They're definitely, and, and even the government officials have, ha from everything I've seen, have been highly supportive. So over and over again, I find try to find different ways to literally offer free services, uh, such as the free cybersecurity review, more recently, the free cybersecurity plan, which is pretty similar, but more forward looking rather than current day. Uh, and I do that, one, to be a resource, but also so that companies of every size have access to someone that has legitimate cybersecurity knowledge. Because a lot of times these smaller companies are focused on, like we spoke about earlier, the products and services. And also they, they just can't hire someone to do cybersecurity full time. It just, even if they could, it doesn't really make sense because they don't need someone 40 hours a week. So if... A lot of companies or even most companies involved in these tech communities know that these services exist. They've seen me offer that in multiple ways. I feel really good about the contribution because they've had access to it. Whether they chose to use it or not is their personal choice. And uh, by, just by them having access to it, you know, it feels like a win to me o other than just the great collaboration and uh just meeting great people in the community well i do see you out there uh being part of the community and collaborating and i think providing that access and that knowledge to the community is going to be a going to be a huge help as our tech community grows uh cybersecurity is going to become uh, a, a real a real point we all need to be paying attention to in 2024 i think shifting gears a little bit more you came in to the air force as a young buck, just like I did, uh, I know I came in for certain reasons and stayed for certain re for other reasons. But how have your views on teamwork and leadership changed over all the years of being in the Air Force, working for the government as a civilian, the working in the Air National Guard, and being an entrepreneur? It's definitely been uh, an ongoing learning experience just by going to work every day in whatever role it was, whether government, uh, government civilian contractor or employee. So what I've learned is it's important to, everyone says, oh, I, I embrace people. I wanna support my people. But then many times we'll see, for example, a leader withhold training or try to get someone to not take a different job because they want them to stay in their current job. And I've learned, for me, that's become a high level item to not ever do because uh, you want to have a good culture and stuff. But if you're doing anything to hold people back just for your own purposes, uh, I would want to avoid that. Uh, and that's in the cybersecurity business, on the military side and any other role. It's just if you say you support your people, support your people. And that's from day one. Not not even day one of work. Day one, it should be day one of the hiring process, right? Like if you have, if you're accepting applications online and you're not even getting back to people and saying you didn't get the job, to me that's that's not appropriate, right? Because it should start at minute one, should last for their entire tenure, and then even last past their tenure. Like if they want to come back later on, I wouldn't recommend saying, oh, well, you left us once, you'll probably leave us again, you know, keep those relationships positive whenever you can. It It's so crazy because I noticed the same thing coming off of active duty 
uh, almost 10 years ago now. Um, I think we get wearing the uniform, we get used to the inevitability of everyone who's wearing that uniform who's working with us is going to move on at some point and relatively quickly within 18 months to three years for the most part, they're going to move on. And we get real used to that. Huh. And it was surprising to me how, how much I saw outside of the military where people were really kind of actively trying to keep people from moving on to better opportunities. And I think you're right. I think we do need to, if we say we support our people, we have to follow through on that from minute one, from the, we're having the conversation about, do you want to come be part of our team? A really great mentor of mine always used to say, core values can't just be a poster you put up on the wall. If you say you support your people, you really have to live that every day through your words and actions. So I, I appreciate you, you pointing it out. I think it's a lesson that can never be learned too many times. Absolutely. So what was one of the best mistakes you've ever made and what did you learn from it? Well, coming into the business, uh, having, almost entirely a government background. I did have a bachelor's in business administration, which exposed me to a little bit of business, but that's not being a practitioner. So my mistake was thinking that having a long career of technical success would be enough. And in a business like consulting, it's flat out not at all enough. And it, it was a big mistake. And I was kind of stubborn about it for, for a good while when I, when I, uh, started the business in 2019 and it lasted for quite a while. Like I would, I'd be talking to customer, uh, potential clients or industry peers. And I would basically say like, if they can't see like what we're offering, then, you know, it's fine. But so now I'm a bit more focused on being effective at sales because I can't help companies if they don't want to work with us. And if I just throw geeky technical language at them, I might be accurate, but I'm probably not going to get the contract. So it's important to focus on your product and service, but also don't don't think that it's going to be enough to to allow you to not focus on sales as well. Uh, I had learned the same lesson, and it is something uh, that while I have improved over the years, I still need to remind myself of uh, somewhat often. So I think it's the lesson. Uh, everyone who's coming from being a technical expert to turning that into consulting or entrepreneur business needs to stay focused on. Who is someone you admire as a leader, whether that's in business or somewhere else? Oh, that, that's a good question. Um, someone, just to give a very local example, I would say uh, Peter from Startup Vegas is someone that I admire in that regard because it's easy to say to mention, you know, one of the many billionaires out there that's doing it, for example. But Peter, uh, he's he's someone that I, I highly respect because he's proven himself in, in multiple different businesses in the past uh, through his startup background. He's highly collaborative within the community. Uh, he's involved in at the uh, state level with uh startup vegas and startup envy uh doing the like uh the fund work and he's he's willing to help anyone at at a moment's notice and also just such a nice person so we haven't got the chance yet to you know work hand in hand like on something official but just seeing him in the community 
for around 18 months, is, uh, I'd say he's a good example of, of someone that I respect in that way. Uh, wholeheartedly concur. Peter's great uh, for if you are not part of our community and you don't know who we're talking about. We're talking about Peter Tomasic, one of the founders of Influential, has a new venture called uh, Let's Rolo right now. Um, just and, and honestly, just a super nice and great guy. But yeah, he's uh, founded Startup Vegas and given back to the community in a way that we really need here in our startup community. Just just doing such great things. I I concur wholeheartedly. Peter's amazing. Oh, definitely agree. So, and his co-founder Heather as well, uh, in, in this same capacity, I would I would say. Yeah, and what's great about both of them is that they are beyond just their own things they have going on. They're so involved in other things in the community as well. They're they're just doing great things. Yeah. So 2024 is going to be a big year for you. You've got some big goals, but what keeps you up at night? What are what are the really significant challenges on your mind going into the new year? Just just making sure um, that the work is making a difference, right? Because in, uh, initially, when I started getting clients and doing these assessments, I would just send them over a list of a million things. Because unfortunately, if you're looking for problems, you're going to find problems, and then sometimes it wouldn't become actionable because I, I assume they were getting that list, looking at it and saying, well, we can't ever do all this. Let's not do anything. So I just got to keep a focus on, on making sure everything that I do is actionable. And I have to account for that in everything, uh, including the sales process, every meeting, uh, you know, I don't want to be having meetings for the sake of having meetings. As they say, if a, if a meeting can be a, a text, or an email, let's just do that because we got to really value each other's time. Time is the most valuable commodity. So if we just be effective with our time and keep things actionable, that's that's my biggest focus for the year because I know, I know my company can make a big difference, but I just want to make sure that it's understood that we're, we want, we want to make progress, right? We don't want to do things for the sake of doing them. That's fantastic. I think uh, I think you're well on your way, and that's a that's a great stuff to be concerned about, and great ways to approach that. You've got a lot going on. You've got a young child at home. Um, how do you stay calm and centered? What what tools and techniques do you use to stay calm and centered and focused with with everything you have going on? That's a good question. Uh, good question. Uh, so what I do to try to manage it well is I, I keep my priorities, you know, my family's first, you know, I do care about the business. I do care about our community. You know, I bend over backwards to help, uh, but I got to make sure my family also knows that they're the priority. So what the way I do that is I do a lot of work at night. The work that, I, you know, I, the work that I do during the day is generally the things that can't be done at night, uh, like meetings, like filming this. Like, I don't think you wanted to meet with me at midnight tonight. So we, we, we do this during the day, which it makes sense. And then when it's down to doing the hardcore work, whether it's going through systems and looking at things, I can, I do that generally between 9 PM and, and 1 AM. And it's, it's been, it's been really effective for me because it gives, uh, flexibility with the family. It allows me to stay mentally fresh because I don't feel like I'm, uh, lacking as, as a husband and a father. And uh, 
some other people I've told that to, they said, no, that's a good idea. I'm going to start doing that a, a little more. That's great. It sounds like you've got really well-developed time management skills and some clear priorities set. And I, I do like the idea of doing some leaders mindset after hours content at like midnight. So maybe that's something we'll put into the, into the, into the content stream here coming up in the future and see if, uh, see if interviews go differently at midnight than they do at 10 in the morning. It probably would. Uh, I have no doubt. I think that'd be a lot of fun. So, uh, and you know, being an entrepreneur is not all doom and gloom and challenges and, and how are we going to meet our goals and everything? What, what are you excited about coming up in 2024? What, what's really got you motivated and excited for this coming up year? I'm, I'm just really excited about how things are developing within the Vegas community. You know, it's like initially I came in and maybe people thought, oh, this guy's like a consultant. He probably just wants to, you know, make a dollar, or, you know, just wants more money. And I think the develop the relationships have developed to a point where I've become friends with more people to a higher degree. We generally like seeing each other. So I'm just excited to just continue to take part in the community and to, to be a resource and to get to know people better. Uh, Cause it's been great. And I think we're at a point, it's just going to accelerate as far as uh, what we can do together. I do too. I think we're, we're really at a crossroads here in Las Vegas. And I think the right folks are pulling more folks together to really, really get some fun things and some exciting things going here in our uh, entrepreneur community, our tech community, our small business community, and our veterans community, and marrying all of those things up, meshing all of those things together to do some really exciting things in 2024. And and as you mentioned way early in the interview, uh, even local government is getting in on the act and doing some really great things to make all that happen. What is someone or something you're grateful for? Some, something I'm grateful for. Um, I mean, it's probably the easy answer, but it's definitely been my wife, you know, because growing up, my parents had kind of a combative relationship and and uh, my father would keep a lot of information from my mom, uh, financial stuff, things he's doing. So just truly learning and it wasn't immediately, but just learning the value of effective partnership, it's it's made it so much easier because, you know, as as a guy, I, I don't know how it is for, for others, but you want to have a companion and, and you worry about that. So once that's out of the way and it's proven over time to just have be such a, like we're in lockstep, it it feels like rocket fuel for being for everything else, just not having to worry about that. So uh that's the easy answer. Um, let's think of a little bit of a harder answer. Um, some someone I'm grateful for outside of my family would be uh, probably a close friend, Eric Rodriguez. Uh, we've learned, learned, known each other for most of my career. He's been in longer than me. He's about ten years older than me, but he's so he's so well versed. I mean, this he's a I think the highest level black belt in multiple disciplines of Kung Fu uh, or karate. Mm -hmm. I don't know all the terms. He's been a pastor before. Uh, he, he's served in the government in every capacity. He's had multiple businesses and he's, he's the calmest person uh, I know probably. And he's, he's just like a Zen master. So I really appreciate him for that. That's great. And thank you for, 
thank you for sharing about your family because relationships are really what make everything go around, right? That's that's what makes life worth living. And I don't think I've had anyone come on this show and talk about not talk about how they're grateful for their family. Uh, but I, I also like how you added someone who's had an impact on you because that's what this podcast is all about is how we make an impact on others. And that's, that's really great. So what's some advice you would give to future leaders, whether they're in government, wearing a uniform, yeah. entrepreneur, community builder, what's, what's some leadership advice you would give, especially for someone who's interested in a career in tech? Definitely. Uh, so one thing that's been really beneficial to me is to have technical and business experience so I can be the go-between between the business people and the technology people because a lot of the business people don't understand technology that well and a lot of technology people just want to talk about the cool features and the business people don't care. So what I would say is to learn the, those, the other perspective. If you're a business person, learn the technical perspective a little deeper. If you're a technical person, learn the business side a little deeper because it'll just strengthen every working relationship. Yeah, and and not only will it strengthen your relationships, it'll help you develop your strategic thinking and your critical thinking skills as well. So I I fully support that idea. Is get to know as many different aspects of uh, the business you're in, the company you're in, and the industry you're in, and what you can learn from other disciplines to to make ourselves stronger at the things we do. So what else should we know about Mike Andrews and Yastis? And where can everyone find you? Yeah, so um, for myself, uh, I just want to have a meaningful life that has no regrets, you know, because I found that regrets are worse than failure to me. And I've, I've heard a lot of other people say that. So just do something, you know, dip your toe in the water and just give it a try. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be expensive. Just get started, you know, contact someone, do Cold messaging, ask for a meeting. Just don't have those regrets. As far as Yastis, uh, it might it might seem like a dull, like just old consulting company, but I do have exciting plans for it uh, in, in some other regards, uh, whether it's products, training, and events. So uh, I'm really, really um, looking forward to the, the future, both in the next year and over the five-year span, and looking forward to developing partnerships for both business uh, and in the community. That's great. And anything we can do here at the Leaders Mindset or Jason LeDuc Leadership Consultants to help you bring that about, please let us know. We're we're huge fans and huge supporters. And that's great advice. Just just go out and do something. Don't yeah. the 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 biggest regrets will be when you think about the things you didn't do, the shots you didn't take, right? So just get out there and do something, even if it's small. You'll you'll feel a lot better. All right. So where where can everyone find you? Absolutely, Jason. Uh, so me personally, uh, I like to use LinkedIn, uh, but, but the business itself is on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, and Instagram. Uh, post there at least every week. Got to do a little more. Uh, Going to be working to improve content in the future. But please uh, reach out if I if I can help any of you. I absolutely would love to. Um, whether that's the free cybersecurity plan, you just want to meet to discuss something. Like I am. I try to be real easy to talk to. Uh, I'm obsessive about collaboration. Like if you message me at 11 p.m. and say, let's have a meeting in an hour, mostly always I'm going to say, okay, let's do it. And then we'll figure out the rest later. So just want to be uh, 
just want to be here for you and everyone else in the community that, that might be watching this. That's great. Thank you for being so accessible. I think that's what we really need for our tech community is to, to help each other out and be accessible. Thank you for being here today uh, for our experiment and our first live broadcast. I hope it went well for you. I think it I think it went pretty well, but we'll do a little postmortem on it. Thank cool. you for your continued service wearing the uniform in the Air National Guard. Uh, that means a ton to me. And thank all of you for tuning in today and watching us with our experiment with a first live episode. I'm planning on bringing you more of these with great, great folks like Mike. Uh, if you like Mike, please check out some of our other videos. Uh, please like comment and share this. If you enjoyed what you saw here today, we love sharing these conversations with you. This is, this is what it's all about to me is to, again, about access, trying to, trying to bring these knowledgeable folks who are knowledgeable in so many ways to help you and make an impact on you. And whatever you have planned today, do it in a way that makes an impact.